Ego Hour acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good evening, everybody. I'm Good Brother. And I'm Will Silky. And welcome to Ego Hour. The show will be delivered objectively true film reviews. It's other time for me, Tom. Anything said over the next 60 minutes will stand up in a court of law. And any argument you find yourself in with a film school student. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable, and non-descript. So, let's talk about Minari. Released in cinemas on the 12th of February 2021 in the US... Minari, also known by its Estonian release title, Bad Grandma, is the story of the Yi family who relocate from California to rural Arkansas to start a farm and grow their opportunities. Produced by A24 and Plan B Entertainment, the film was made on a budget of $2 million and has currently made $3.5 million. The film has received critical acclaim, generated award season buzz, and has already won the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film. Clocking in with a runtime of 115 minutes, the film may just leave you craving Mountain Dew. How are we? Good. How's the pod? Fantastic. All right. Let's get down to business. Context. So, Tom and I went to see this last Thursday. Tonight is a Monday night? Yep. Went to Cinema Nova in Carlton. How was that experience for you? First time I've been, embarrassingly enough. It's cool. It was a small cinema. It was funny because I hadn't sat next to someone at the cinema. Well, I was sitting next to one of you guys, but one of you guys sat next to someone else. It's nice to be back at the cinemas. And yeah, the cinemas are a funny one because whenever I go, when I don't go to the cinemas in a while and people are like, oh, you should go to the cinemas, I'm like a little self-conscious. I'm like, oh, you know, the cinemas are good, but like you've got plenty of options at home and stuff. <laughs> I don't need to be there to experience it. Uh, um, yeah. But then like when you go to the cinemas, it's really great. I think particularly when you watch a film that you would probably get to watch in any way on Netflix or something later on, sometimes it's good to have seen it in the cinema just so you can be like, oh, I saw this in the cinema and it was like an enhanced experience for that reason, you know? I like that you get to become an advocate for the film if you exactly. want to as well. Yeah. Like, you've got to see this. Yeah, um, It's just interesting. I very much have an awareness that we're um, not in the movie going generation. So it's different and it's amazing to think that so many people were and, you know, we've discussed Beyond Demand and all that sort of stuff before and how we don't think it's terrible, but it is still lovely to go to the cinema and just be like, yeah. So for example, we saw this and then I was like, mum, you got to see this movie. You'll love this movie. And so then she was kind of like, oh, and I'm like, mum, you have to go. And so she went. Where's showing it? She's been. She's going now currently. Oh, huge. Maybe yeah. she'll call and we'll get an update mid pod. Yeah. Where, what scenario is she seeing funny. that That'd be funny. We should get it a call, put her on speaker. Oh, you got a call or on line one? <laughs> yeah. What cinema? Pivotonian, Geelong. Do you recommend that? I've never been. Yeah, it's good cinema. It's like the theatre that we were in. Right, so it's tiny. Yeah. It's one but, cinema? Uh, it's a bit bigger than that, but yeah, exactly. And it's comfy and like, you know, charming and stuff. Cool. I bet she's pretty cool in Geelong going to see this film. With her, with her hubby. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I went out on the weekend. I was just like... <laughs> All these fuckers haven't seen Minari. <laughs> How am I supposed to talk to these people knowing they've seen Minari? <laughs> yeah. Seeing a movie that has uh, hype is always a 
fascinating experience as What's well. What's the hype you've heard for this? Just that it has Oscar and this is people in Golden in Globe buzz. IRL or is this no, just online really. Um, but then it's also going to be an interesting year because there's been such challenges releasing releasing films, right? Mm. But then because well, you know it's all interconnected, but it also feels like we're on the precipice of something else where the Oscars and everything's going to look completely different soon. And just the context of like understanding A24, like I think this is still the first A24 I've seen. Well, that's not true. Moonlight we saw, but like first A24 I've seen knowing the whole A24 thing. And um, yeah, it's just interesting as well watching a film that you know is really small and one that is generating buzz because these niche viewings by small audiences are when these movies are actually thriving, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not like there's all this hype of this film and you go and you watch it in a packed cinema. It's like you go and watch it in a small cinema. 15 people. And you feel feel relatively connected to them. Yeah. It's cute. Exactly. Um, And especially this film because the last like 20 minutes has you like holding back tears and this pod will be full of discussion points about the main thing so it's it's not spoiler free um but having said that like the the points at the end that have you sad aren't necessarily sad because of you know tragedy there's a lot going on in this movie that puts you in a mind state that leaves you susceptible to (laughs) emotion (laughs) upset at the end of the film yeah which is like funny in that you don't kind of realize you're there until it happens and you're like oh yeah yeah um, so much so that we were just watching the trailer and tom and i both were like getting emotional watching the trailer, the, trailer. It. the post context is that we've been absolutely bumping the soundtrack because it's really really good do you recommend let me just get the name of the guy who did it did you know show. it was really good in the moment emil mossery there you go mm. i you know i had a feeling it would be good because i feel like i'd seen a mention of it but not to the extent that I've been enjoying the soundtrack as much as I have, I think. What do you think? Were you like All In? Because I distinctly remember it opening with music and it was quite prominent and it was sort of a drawn out intro where the car's arriving at the new house and you're seeing fields and stuff. And I was going... Because I guess when I watch these films that are critically acclaimed and indie, you have a lens on and you know that you're going to get a certain amount of good, but... You're a little hesitant to like dub it really good instantly unless they stun you immediately and it was kind of a, a very low impact yeah. opening yeah i agree um, exactly and it was like low impact in a way that made me be like oh i don't know if i'm gonna like this as much as other people do mm. because you know the the mood that it sets and the tone that it sets is one that's obviously very warm but it's one that could go the wrong way and be overdone or too overly sentimental, I think. Yes. So this film sets a very sentimental tone, but one that doesn't, you know, make you respond in a kind of repulsed way or anything like that. You are all in, I think, by the end of the film with that, mm-hmm. with that feeling. Yeah, one thing I can already identify not having watched it a second time is that I'm really... It's sort of like, you know... Uh, convoluted to say this and maybe slightly insensitive i guess but i was kind of worried that it was going to have a real heavy like racially upsetting scene or something like Mm. that yeah okay i kept waiting for them to have a showdown with racist neighbors and stuff and 
I guess I had that anxiety placed into me from the start sort of thing because they're completely displaced in this family and um, going, oh, they're so different. They're not used to here. And I don't know, once I sort of got that that wasn't going to happen, I could relax and engage with the movie in a different way. And like, I feel it's a little selfish to to say that because if people want to express those sentiments in their movie, I absolutely don't have the position to, yeah. to say that's not valid and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this movie is a lot like, um, I said this after and it didn't land cause you guys hadn't seen it, but this film reminded me of Totoro. Um, you were going to say we bought a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. Um, I'm sure we there are fun. some, what do you call it? Like Parallels? surface level sort of thing. Surface level connections. Mm. Who knows? Maybe Matt Damon was there first, but it reminded me of well, my, yeah, go on. my neighbor Totoro. And I love it because in that film, they move into the country and it's after um, family tragedy, which this film didn't have. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot just about a family from the city engaging with the country and the country being full of wonder. And mm-hmm. the whole thing with Totoro is that like, you're waiting for this drama to happen and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And you can relax completely. But almost watching a film, you're, you're anxious about the conflict that is going to come. I would up. agree. Yeah, I agree with that. And I remember having thoughts that something traumatizing was going to happen and at the end of the film something that's quite dramatic does happen but i was waiting for something to happen with his heart where it's like oh you know Mm. david's gonna go to hospital or something bad's gonna happen to him or i i I thought something like when they were sent around the fire and and the glass exploded i was like oh maybe that's gonna spray glass at the daughter and Mm. you know something like that and obviously something bad does happen with the fire in the end of the film but yeah it's good uh, yeah, so I understand. I'm kind. I'm with you with what you're saying about that. It's like nice to have something that isn't defined by some sort of, you know, horrid racist behavior or something like that. Not that we're in the position to say that because the experiences might have been like that because it was significantly based on um, the director's life. His name is Lee Isaac Chung. Yeah, so it was based on. I did read a little quote where he's like, "It didn't tell." His parents, he was making the movie because he felt really uncomfortable making a film that was so much about them. Oh, okay. So, yeah, basically, it's by not having intense drama, it allows more subtle emotional connections to be made and emotional, you'd feel the more emotional stuff, the more subtle emotional stuff, I guess, which is why, despite this experience obviously being entirely like very unique to a family from Korea, mm. it's the family value not values the family story is so insanely relatable and i think why it resonated with us yeah i love it i love the idea that we walked away from this movie and we're all like man i feel like they got our family on screen i've never related so much to a family on screen and they happen to be american and they happen to be korean you know Mm -hmm. um that's just him absolutely nailing human connections and stuff in in the movie um but it's like, the, for example, the grandma, she comes to America and you go, okay, I feel like she's going to be some classic, you know, rigid grandma who's going to be hard on the daughter. You know, something like that felt like it was going to happen. And the grandma comes and she's an absolute G, like she's such a champ mm. and fun to be around. It's just every time you think that there's, and there's obviously domestic drama between the parents, but... It's it's more it's more subtle and realistic, I think, than like they have a big fight scene pretty early on, and then there's just kind of tension, I guess, maybe underneath the surface for a long time, and then obviously the end is quite 
intense. But yeah, it's not defined by. It doesn't, you know, go hard into the things that you think it's going to go hard into. I think, mm. or you're you know used to being films. Yeah, that's doing, probably the point. That's the better way um, of saying it. Yeah, yeah. it's not about because people's lives actually do have drama. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always amazed that everyone you speak to has some sort of traumatic experience, and so it's not, you know, un. It's not wrong of movies to put them in. It's just I think what it does is it does discriminate at some level. It's like if you can't specifically relate to this, you're going to be looking at it from an outsized perspective. Yeah. And what this film does so well is it, it invites you in. Yeah. It says you know relate to this and draw those connections with your own life. Yeah, I love it. Um, how specific it is, but then still how broad it ends up being. Yeah. Because I guess it's sort of fascinating that this film is functioning in a the characters are operating on different levels at the same time. Um, I was watching an interview between the director, Lee, Isaac Chung. Just, I just want to get it in our heads so we know. Um, and Stephen Yun speaking to J.J. Abrams, of all people, because he's associated with A24. And Lee said that the film, like the protagonist of the film is the family. Mm-hmm. And I think he actually lands that. You know, a lot of people would still... Well, to be honest, they land with Stephen and his character... Jacob. Jacob. Oh. oh, I kept thinking Jacob was the American guy. So, like, no. the song called Jacob's... Rocks. Wasn't it Jacob's Stone? Jacob's Rocks. I thought it was Jacob's Pipe or something like that. It's Paul, by the way. Jacob, just... Jacob and the Stone. There, isn't there some religious connection between There's Paul and Jacob? There's one called Jacob's Prayer. Paul and Jacob in mm. the Bible. Mm. All right, well, I looked that up. You can talk to the audience. Yeah, so I think most people would write this film about Jacob <laughs> because that's who the screenwriter can always relate to because they're a middle-aged man who's writing a script and they're, of course, going to take that angle, you know? But what is actually so good is that he's writing from David's perspective a lot of it. Like, the David stuff is just so spot on and so so charming. It's like... It, everyone can relate to it. And then the grandma and David have quite a complex relationship. So, like, it's, it's funny because basically, like, you spend all this time with them and you, wouldn't, you don't expect it traditionally. Do you agree with that? For a film to do that or for them to spend that much time together? For a film to spend that much time with. I guess the whole point is the fact that they spend, with two, spend the time with, like, two different relationships centrally. It just opens up opportunities that the film handles really well. And I've been thinking about like how you write a screenplay because like a feature length film because you need to like make it long. And this is how you do it because this is almost like a little bit TV-ish in the yeah. way that yeah. they have episodes and then they cut between the two different storylines happening in parallel. Um, this is how you do it and it really functions in this film because they're both serving the same theme. You know, they're not doing having their two different stories. Um, Jacob's stuff about trying to grow it is just as relevant to the family's dynamics as David David's related heart to the grandmas. Yeah. Yeah. It's I would say you kinda do wish think the daughter got it a bit shit that she's not focused on enough. I, I feel like I think you ultimately have to specialise in someone. Oh absolutely. Um so her name's Anne. You feel like she, I don't know. I feel like she, she could have, she probably has one scene that's deleted in my, that's the way yeah, I think. Yeah. Like he went, it's too long and this is, I just have to cut this, you know. I maybe expected her to get the church scene where he's talking to the other boy sort of thing. Mm. 
Because she does have her scene. That's where you think it's all going to go downhill, where the American girls go and stop me when I say something Korean. <laughs> and then she handles it extremely well and yeah. it's played off as like, no, this girl's just being friendly, which yeah. is sort of nice. Yeah. Um, so the director um, said that when writing this film, he wrote it. So his whole circumstance of writing it were a bit unconventional. He's not like an industry veteran or something. Like he has films and stuff, but he said he wrote the script after being with his, uh, raising his child Mm -hmm. for a few years and being out of the game. Mm -hmm. And then he also cites this influential moment where he read a famous quote from someone. Yeah, I can't remember who. (laughs) But the whole point was this artist was saying they used to try and imitate writing about the city because they thought that that's what they were supposed to do, but they didn't start succeeding and writing, making too, true art until they wrote about what they knew, which was real country. So inspired by that, he started writing down memories, and apparently he wrote down like 80 memories or something, mm-hmm. and they were sort of vivid, and then he realized that, the, oh, there's something in here, and then he linked the narrative up to his memories of growing up in the country as well. Mm-hmm. So that is why it comes from such a genuine place, and I imagine that's why he's so well in touch with David. Mm-hmm. because yeah it came from it probably came from david him being david, a child yeah. he was he was writing about his parents experience from it still comes from like a fairly third person perspective like the way that um, yeah you don't go in like you're not too long in either of their shoes where you you're going oh this is the person i'm rooting for in this argument or or not you know it's it's both looking on it's looking on a way where you want them to stay together and you want for it to work and you're kind of empathizing with both of them I guess. Mm. Yeah, but you don't get Jacob going. Oh, I grew up with a father who didn't respect what I did. Like the lack of it's very present and very current. And yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah, I think you would have gotten that stuff if you didn't focus on the David relationship because you'd need something to fill it out a bit more. Yeah, and it, you, it, yeah, so it's almost this thing where. Yeah, I guess it does kind of tell, like, someone reflecting on their childhood, I guess, you know. Mm. It's an interesting way of looking at it, I think. The hyper-specific stuff is, like, the Mountain Dew Mm. and the grandma watching wrestling Mm. and the boots on the kid are obviously fantastic. I just was looking at that and thinking about, like, the costume department and they're like, okay, we just need to, like, these adorable boots will sell the film. (laughs) They knew what they were doing. They knew how how iconic adorable they were. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it's just a compelling story seeing people get somewhere new and sort of assimilating and like bringing their themselves to somewhere and then like learning the the ropes, Mm -hmm. you know, and we do get a certain amount of art that's like, and perspective that's about how that's bad and how it's forced. And I understand that it's a completely sensitive issue having to uh, shed culture and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the film really, at least by focusing on this scope and this era in their lives, it's, an opportunity well i think that the error is important in this film if this if this was based on someone growing up in the 2000s or yeah 2010s it would be completely different Mm. the tone would be really different because them being a korean family is obviously quite a novelty to everybody else who's there and so yeah so they've they've moved to this small town and but they're there wanting to be Americans, they're, they're wanting to thrive in America. And it, it is that whole American dream sort of thing, as what? opposed to being a generation or two down the line where it's probably becomes more important to people to maintain a connection to their culture. 
Do you know well, what I mean? What I think this film gets harked on about being the American dream, but what I think it does better than that is it's not actually about the American dream. It's about the family's dream. And but isn't but I think the American dream is about your family. No, I understand, but the American dream as a concept is so constructed as in in serving of the country. This film actually isn't particularly about America. But that's but I know, but it's about the promise of America. And people migrate to countries like America and Australia because they have these ideas in their head of what their future will be like. And that's why Jacob is so attached to what he's doing because it's like that is what makes it all worth and that's the goal and that's always probably been the goal for the last, you know, however many decades. Yeah, I just think that it sort of does a good job by being bigger than the American dream. And I think the American dream part is how we contextualize it in relation to other films and stuff. But it's not specifically about America, whereas... I agree. I the American stuff- dream is a concept that... No, but even because they don't interact with Americans significantly and for extensive amounts of time, and there's never this like issue of like because they never actually justify what the american dream awards them there's not like even at the big moment where he finally gets to sell his vegetables it's not because like he doesn't achieve or not achieve the american dream it's it's more specific than that it's more about his family and the family dynamics you know i think it's both of those things Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i just think that the whole thing about going somewhere and and being self-sustaining and really feels like a you know a symbol of of that whole you can make it on your own all you've got to do is hard work sort of thing in my opinion yeah hard labor like and you you know come here work hard for 10 years buy your land you know work harder and you'll make it happen and you'll have your own thing and you'll be self-sufficient i don't know i just think that's what you were sold and even i think decade wise it is kind of probably a thing that was particularly relevant back then yeah Oh, well, yeah. I'm just wondering how much to keep going at you with this opposite opinion because it's not opposite. I absolutely acknowledge that you can contextualize it as the American dream. All I want to say is I think this film is more nuanced than just tackling the American dream because I think the American dream stuff does exist and it's important and all that sort of stuff and there's all kinds of commentary around it and it's fascinating. But I actually respect what I like and respect about this movie is that it doesn't fully engage with that. It never. It doesn't engage with the oh, what what we promised, what did we get? And I just like how unrelated it is to. Okay, so I do get what you're saying. You're saying or, that you know you, the movie doesn't go. The American dream is a lie, or the American dream is you know true harmful. It, it doesn't do either one. Yeah. Okay, I get that angle, but so I think that's the whole thing, though. But I think that he, the motives of the characters do come from that. You know what I mean? The com- but you're right, the commentary is not about the American dream. Mm. And it's funny, I was going to say, on the poster outside of Cinema Nova, it says, this is the movie we need right now, or something like that. Yeah. And I just wanted to know what your thoughts are on, on that. Is this the movie we need right now? And if so, why? Or why not? I think what they meant was that there aren't many good movies at the moment. <laughs> and we need a movie to sweep the Thank award God season. Something's done. <laughs> They're like, after Wonder Woman 1984, this is the movie we need right now. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, you know, that's simple label in just like, we've had a rough year, everybody. It's nice that we're smiling Interesting. a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. To me, that reads... Cause this is the or thing. do you think it was a Biden thing? A Biden-Trump thing? Well, I'm no, I agree with you on the whole... So, I, I agree with what you're saying about the American dream, where it's like the film isn't about the American dream. 
But to me, whenever there's something like that, it kind of feels like I can just imagine an American critic saying this is the film we need right now. Well, that's what I'm trying for that to reason. Like, separate from this film. Yeah, I agree. But I think it, people are inevitably going to read it in that way. And so I will probably just try and be clear. I'm not stating the. I just think that the American dream is part of the story of this film, in my opinion. I don't think you can take that out. Yeah. Because it's not set in 2000 or, not, you know, some other time where it's just about a Korean family in America, you know? Yes. Because I think that, you know, there's, like, there's dialogue about the Korean War briefly and stuff like that. And all is relevant context, I think, you know. And I think it drives the characters. But I, I yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think the film is about the American dream. I'm with you. I, yeah, I just like it because I think it's bigger than the American dream. It's more about family and taking opportunity as a family than it is about how moving overseas affected this family, which I'm surprised to say because obviously it's a fundamental part of it, but I'm just saying that like that's not where the film puts in work. It's not... Because this could play out a different... Like in a number of... The same story could play out in a way that doesn't feel right. So they could easily... You could... So you tell this story and you're focusing on Jacob Mm. and the whole thing is this tension in his head and you're right, maybe they gave him some backstory about a father who was hard on him or something like that. Well, even if you give or him he had a nothing. more backstory about his relationship with his wife or something, yeah. like, the fact that it's very present yeah. is unique. And then you're going, oh, you know, I know that he's sacrificing everything for that, but I understand why now. And that's the tension there or something. But that's not the tension because they don't do that. You know, it's a different film. And if they did that... You know, and because there's a part of this where you're like annoyed at him as well, because you're like, I completely get where the, where what's uh, Monica's coming from, because it does seem hopeless, and you want him to succeed, but also nowadays we're not. I think that we can look at stories like this and reflect on and be like, okay, at a certain point, someone's ego is like driving their decisions, and they're sacrificing their family at the expense of that. You know, mm. so. They could have told it in a way which made you sympathize or like kind of guaranteed your sympathy with him or something like that, or at least tried to, which would have made the film nowhere near as good, I think. Well, I think that's what that also speaks to how successful and creative the ending is. Mm-hmm. The film, by granting him a victory and then taking it away from him, mm. but then the fact that they're together again at the end is just so powerful because yeah. either side of that seems so is such a statement. If you like, this is a film where ending in the middle is the correct decision in absolutely every way. Yeah. So you go, because for me, I was like feeling emotional from their conversation in the hallway where they, at the hospital. Because it's melancholy. It's like, where it's about to end, isn't it? He picks the farm and it's, you know, and you're like, shit, that's emotional. Then they go in and then she, they hear the good news about David and you go, wow, that is like the best news ever. And for a person who just wants the story to be simple, you're like, okay, cool, they can stay, blah, blah, blah. But also you can see the white, uh, Monica's like disbelief because it's not fair that it worked out for him because he's being selfish at that point in time. And then obviously the vegetables works that again. Mm. It's the same sort of thing. And then they have that conversation where they're going to split up. And you, it's just, I don't know, it's so shattering. It's emotional because you're like, as a, you know, you watch TV shows, right, where they, they do this, where you invest in something for like six seasons or something. And when drama keeps happening and you just get start to resent the people who make the drama happening, no matter how valid their character is, I guess. But it's one of those things where you're like, oh, can this just work out for this family? Like, I'm annoyed that she's doing that, but also it's reasonable, Mm. you know. And then, yeah, to to end up in the middle where they are still together and I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I just love that they don't grant either's perspective as correct Mm. and 
obviously family wins in 2021 mm-hmm. and this is yeah. the movie we need right now and um but even the way that the grandma starts the fire is a great idea as well um cuz it's just the whole film is about people pulling in different ways accidentally trying to do the right thing you know well as you just said but like i just love that idea that the grandma accidentally hurts the family by trying to help the family mm-hmm. and it's just quite profound yeah, and she's just been, like, the best character of the whole film. I mean, entertainment-wise, I mean, but I mean... And objectively. Obje- for, the, for the family, you know what I mean? Well, and as a character, as a unique character. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think you do get um, cheeky characters, but just to... I don't know if you've seen that interact... That interaction with a child is so great. Mm. Yeah, which leads me to... The other thing I've been doing since watching the film, which is watching lots of interviews with <laughs> with David, yeah. Alan Kim, I'm pretty sure his name is. Uh-huh. So I watched those. I watched two of them as well, the Kimmel and the... Yeah, so it was on Kimmel and then he interviewed the grandma and it's her... Ya Jung Yeon. And it's her first American film, apparently, which is interesting. And yeah, it's just adorable. And it's funny because obviously you make a film and then time passes before the film gets relevant. So he seems a lot bigger now than he does in the film, just watching that clip compared to the interviews because he's very well-spoken in the interviews. Yeah. I think, well, as I messaged you because Nick linked me the video of that interview, I don't know if you got back to me on this, but I replied saying, it's funny watching these kids give interviews because in the film, they're the, the carrier of this profound message. So I can't help but watch these interviews and expect them to spit straight wisdom and be like look you know it's all just about sticking together as a family but yeah. he's just like i went to taekwondo and i'm a purple belt now yeah. <laughs> um and like oh yeah that's what is brilliant and that's like good writing and good directing and he, he talked about in the other interview about um how he's seen the film like he's seen it like eight times and i was like does he's it sort of bored of it uh, but or even generally i'm like do, does the eight-year-old like this film it's probably a bit boring. He likes the pee stuff. <laughs> he probably finds that funny. He probably likes his scenes. His scenes are all pretty entertaining. The pee stuff is obviously funny in the film, but yes. it's funny that, you know, he goes on Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Kimmel's like, what was it like giving your grandma pee? Like, and that's really childishly funny at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Did you think Kimmel conducted a good interview? He was all right. What do you think? It's yeah. hard. Like, I can't talk I was to reading children. the comments and someone's like, you know, he actually knows how to talk to kids. And he does because I think it's easy to forget how young eight years old is. And it's like, what are you actually going to ask them? And I think on talk shows, you're so used to the act of playing the game and keep keeping the conversation going that any time that the conversation's not flowing and they're not going on a monologue, like, you actually have to interview a kid. You can't let them tell their stories that they decided backstage. Yes. But it is pretty great because I think you can tell that Kimmel's actually enjoying it. Um, yeah. I think when you do have these charismatic kids, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is, like, great. I'm glad This is that, the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that this actually It probably exists. breaks up the monotony of, of interviewing, you know, self-inflated people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, and then there was the clip of him winning the award, and he's just like cheering. And stuff. Yeah, um, like that is hilarious that a kid would lose his mind over winning an award because it's that true. Would, <laughs> it, he would, and it yeah. would be, um, be it would be because of the people talking to him because he doesn't understand the the scope of it. The but there's something so charming about that. And then I love how on the red carpet photos he's showing up in cowboy outfits, whereas yeah. everyone's in suits and stuff. So good. But that's what you need to do as a kid, like. To make because it, it would all it would suck as much as it's fun as well, you know, doing all this stuff all the time. Mm, it'd be confusing. Yeah, anyway. imagine having like no ability to contextualize what you're going through. Just- well, actually, but the other thing is, you know, often kids in 
in films that have like Oscar buzz and stuff are in like dramas and something traumatic's happened to the kid that they're playing. But it's very nice. So yeah, I guess it's interesting because a lot of kids wouldn't get to watch the movie they're in or the scenes all the time. Like there's the movie Room, Brie Larson, and there's a young kid in it, and like he's really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also in Wonder, and they're like fairly heavy-handed and stuff. But this is a kid playing a kid, but with great specificity and stuff yeah and i don't think it's easy for a kid to act it's not like you go be a kid and it comes across normal you know yeah it would be so fascinating working with the kids it seems like you spend your whole film school getting warned not to make movies with kids because even on this film they could only film for six hours a day and they were talking about that they were talking about that in interviews i was watching and i was like we had to schedule completely differently because you know, it means we're taking, we're shooting the kids' coverage before the other actors and they have to mold to that. And mm-hmm. so just because you film six hours doesn't mean you can't like hang out and stuff. So then they were trying to develop the chemistry off screen. Like there's a big uh, promo press stuff where they're saying like, you know, we developed a family culture on set. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's where you do, that's how you can cheekily get around the limitations of it. Yeah. Try and make the kid feel comfortable and make it feel like a. But it's almost cool for the adults as well where they've got these limitations that stop them from working stupid hours and making it a more i guess tense or hostile situation than it necessarily has to be not that all films would be like that anyway but you have to imagine it was a highly it would force you to work at a certain pace which i'm sure actually benefited this sort of film you know yeah so it was shot in 25 days which is interesting in like that's quite succinct and very short um so they, the movie when he was talking about how it went from, he wrote at the start of the year and was already filming it by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. When's this, 2019 and 2018? Yes, 2019. And he had all these connections to the different actors and stuff, mm-hmm. um, as in mutual steps and stuff. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's just, I, I imagine it was just a super inspiring performance for Ya Jung Yoon. Like, how much fun would that be? And I think they both would have loved it. Imagine feeding off someone who's, like, old and gentle and then conversely yeah, someone it's, who's what's, what's, young and inspired. That would be a very special memory. I it's imagine. cool that they both work by, like, um, lift each other up. It's not like you're being outshone by a kid. You, your character also gets to come across as much. Well, it's because she and gets to be a fun character, yeah. you know. I think a, a much more cliched version of this is the kid's optimistic and then the grandma it's like, like harsh softens. and rigid yeah exactly um so it's fun that it's the inverse you know um obviously they nailed the nuanced stuff really well like the grandma sweet talking the kid and that's how she wins his affection i don't know you, you can just relate to that stuff with like interacting with adults and how you need adults to talk to you like respectfully like it's this balance of adult being, being fun but also respectful yeah yeah and then the other anecdote that i remember that was from the interview was like the the actor grandma actor came up with biting the thing to give it to the kid but the walnut or the the mm. curry nut to get to the kid that yeah. stuff's just like on that's point, so you know? funny yeah i think mean, oh yeah i don't know it's just it's just so captures that so well and you don't even have to have specifically encountered that relationship but you feel like Oh, this reminds me of this one person in my life who treated me like this, you know. Oh, they're a little bit of excitement. and hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about the emotionally affecting stuff in this film. Clearly, I remember the last bit and just feeling the emotions welling up and stuff. And after the fire, the grandma's walking away and the kids are chasing after her and you're just feeling it. And then, obviously, mm. it's... Then in- he runs. Yeah, it's intercut with... um. 
oh yeah, him running is always deeply affecting. Just cause, and the grandma like pushing him to to run and encouraging him. Well, there's that this whole thing where they're in the country and he doesn't get to run is really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I think it it functions really powerfully as a um a symbol, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's probably rep- it's probably running in parallel to the family story. You know, they're in the country but they don't get to run. They don't get to mm. savor. It's not all paying off. Yeah, but then even the way that his heart does recover and get better is a mirror to the family's like plight becoming mm-hmm. fruitful, I guess. Um, yeah, and so just like right at the end where it was funny because I'm like feeling it heavy and then all this emotional stuff's happening and then there's that scene right at the end where the grandma's just looking down at the family sleeping on the floor mm-hmm. in the kitchen. I'm like, oh man, like I'm seeing, I'm not even looking at the family right now. I'm looking at the grandma look at the family and it's just, why is this hitting me like a, a train, you know? Yeah. Can you try and articulate why you think this film had you on the verge of tears you know i think we kind of covered it where they set this sentimental is the word i'm looking for it's it like sets a sentimental tone but it doesn't like force it throughout the whole film where you keep hitting like emotional beats and everything feels like so significant the film kind of has these moments where it's like kind of art like the the intro is like a good example of it being shot deliberately and set to a soundtrack where and you go okay this is sitting this is all mood you know what i mean and it has a few of those moments throughout the film but it doesn't overdo that sort of stuff in a way that makes you get tired of it or feel like it's overly stylized and you know movies by like this or kind of you know these a24 ones where they're all shot like really well and they have you know distinct soundtracks sometimes it kind of goes over too far where you don't feel it well this this film kind of managed to do that the perfect amount so that you were you felt sentimental and then there was enough just good character moments throughout. So you just slowly and slowly get more attached to the characters, I think. Mm. And it's like you said, where you don't spend too much time with somebody that you feel like you're being forced to empathize with them or care more about their story than another story or whatever. It's almost, and you get, you know, three quarters through this film and not really sure what the main drama is, you know? Mm. I think what it does that not every film would do is it, it hits you with the brain, bread clock. Yeah, it hits you with the breadcrumbs just enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it rewards you with these little cathartic positive things mm-hmm. in a way that's like, oh, this is why we're watching. This is what we're building to. Like in that clip we just watched where they hit water and then the kid's going, woo, and then he's going, woo. And then the stuff with the crops growing and him and um, Paul are celebrating amongst the crops. And just the, like even the hitting, like where they're going to hit the kid with the stick sort of thing the mum laughing at it and the grandma loving him for it. The film just teases you with just enough tension of um, things could all collapse at any given moment and yeah. keeps you going without... And I think the thing about family is that at least families... I know that not everyone's family is like this, but families like the ones in the movie. Everyone really does want to get along and wants it to work, mm. you know, which I think sometimes is... It, it's not something really done in movies that often. Or because they're or, always going conflict, conflict, conflict. Conflict, conflict, conflict. Or... It's they want that, but it's tearing them up inside that they're, do, they're you know, sacri- making sacrifices in order to make it work. And obviously the sacrifices in this film, but all the characters, all, the whole family, it's, it's like you said, the protagonist is the family. They all have the same motive, really, you know. As much as the mum doesn't want to be there, she does want it to work so that they have, can stay together, you know. Yeah. But maybe, she, yeah. Maybe putting that argument early on is such an important part of it because they lay all the cards on the table. They go in. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't hide that up their sleeve like, oh, wow, now there's all this emotional undertones to them. Well, Monica's pissed from scene one, you know, which is sort of fascinating. It's not like, I don't know. It's just like they're building you with these like little successes and that storm could have gone wrong and that they don't sort of address it and it's just they get over it quickly and it's a little bit of an achievement. And maybe that's what family life is like, you know. You're, this sentimentality is like, oh, you're fighting. You never know which way something's going to go and then you, you like quietly celebrate everything that doesn't go wrong. And mm-hmm. this film sort of captures that feeling well. Well, I think what you said about the present, about the film being present is a good way of looking at it as well. And when you are growing up, or, you know, we are not raising families, but raising families, you're, you're just doing it half the time, right? Yeah. Like when you're being a parent, you're just being a parent. You're not mm. thinking. It's not about the individual moments, even though the individual moments matter. Mm. It, it is all about how it all adds up, you know. Well, you can't help but feel like that's what you can reflect on. You go, I didn't realize how this was a thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this film seems to capture that Yeah. by showing the little wins. Watching this film... Um, I was sort of shocked at how much it stayed in my head this week. And the single like, reason I, I can articulate that was I was really inspired having seen this film because I was like, oh, this is the type of thing that I wish and I know, well, I think that I could make at some stage in my life, you know. I've always felt a bit intimidated by the idea that you have to write like sweeping dramas that capture everything at once because, you know, I've been fortunate that I've experienced certain like kinds of hardships but generally a nerve like i've been able to have good times and good things and stuff and i always like wondered like oh can you like sort of translate that to the screen where do i have to write about the drama yeah do i have to just like make everything shitty for everyone all the time um and i just love to see that a film succeeds in this way that it's like because this is sort of the stuff that we've talked about when trying to develop my script, which is like you need to have intense characters, oh, specific characters, and specific characters reward every time, you know. And, you know, A24 is probably a masterpiece, uh, you know, a masterclass in conveying that because all of the characters are hyper-specific but relatable because they're specific in a way. Like, And I know that um, A24 movies aren't actually connected. But, but I think just... that ma- but they obviously distribute them and when people are making them, I'm sure they're going A24 would be the perfect place. You know, if, well, if at you, this stage, if you right? produce enough films or distribute enough films or whatever, then it creates a reality for that sort of film, I guess. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's goal. like if you make a lo- music label and then you go, okay, everyone who makes dance, dance pump, punk music now has somewhere to put their music out. So everyone yeah. starts doing, you know. And this one was produced by them not just distributed so i wouldn't it they would have had conversations at different stages um mm-hmm. but anyway the characters are specific you know you've got like flo pew in midsummer she's sort of specific and she's not an extravagant character yeah but she behaves in ways that are unique because they honed in on this one part of your life and this one obviously she has a heightened drama that happens to her but mm. She looks like people you know. She behaves like people you know. Yeah, and their relationship. Well, it's funny because like, there's tons of memes about him being a, like the, the type of boyfriend that he is and stuff like that. And mm. it's, it was just smart playing that in a way that was relatable where they go, I know that guy or like well, maybe, you know, if you are that guy, you, you feel like defending that guy sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, because he's, he's not super damning either. Mm. Yeah, and I guess... So, yeah, what about the antagonists or lack thereof in Minari? 
do you think that that is, you know, a secret? Is it a, or is it just the thing? But this movie could go wrong, you know. It definitely could be boring. That's the thing. I guess so. Like, I don't think it's a secret source to not have the antagonist. Having an antagonist definitely works, but you know, all the pieces were done masterfully or whatever that made this work. You know. Well, it's probably the performances. The performances, the soundtrack. Yeah, so other people from the A24 roster is like the priest from First Reformed, very niche individual. The In Moonlight, the main character is very... He still sort of has dramatic occurrences being in like a rough neighborhood and rough home, but I'd say his friend is quite interesting as a character. Or he's... Future in, lover. Yeah, interest, because he's fairly specific but non uh unreal yeah i don't know is this am i picking up on a proper thread here or is it well i mean or is it just that indie films can dabble in the more mundane in a meaningful way i would say that's true but i also think that it's a home for that sort of film i think that's accurate yeah. but i think that it's as a thing that people would also be like oh you know classic a24 slow character drama about that you know so yeah i think it's real but mm. also maybe I don't know how much weight you can actually give it. Yeah. And I guess this film, it feels like this, it feels like when you sign on to a film, you're like, this film's really important. I'm all in. And wow, everyone in this country has seen this film, even though I haven't spoken to anyone about it. Everyone's life has been changed by this movie right now as well. But then. That's how you feel right now. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I feel like you, you feel like that in a little way because it's like, even I would want to talk about this with mum and dad and ben and it's like they still haven't seen it yet oh well that's about to change that yeah i don't know it's it's interesting because you can get caught up in the the moment any negatives i mean i guess we'll get to that but uh one other thing i wanted to say was that Stephen yun in the interview with jj had a really good point or fascinating point it's not good um i can't put weight to it but fascinating point about how he had to uh interact with racial elements of this film being that he said it's it's interesting he can he can handle being a korean american Mm -hmm. and being a korean american in american production Mm -hmm. and he's also been in korean parts and he can uh he has a way to prepare himself to be in korean parts as the american korean but this film was interesting because he had to like straddle both lines where he had to be sort of bigger than that and like the whole angle is sort of, you're not quite a Korean-American. You're not quite yeah, well, he, it's funny. He's like David's generation more likely than the generation he played in the film, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I think of, like, he's an American guy. And, you know, my experience with him is watching seen a bit of Walking Dead back in the day. Mm-hmm. So it was funny. Yeah, it's funny that he was playing that character, I guess. Well, this, and then so he talked about how he identified with his father. And he's like, well, we're all... Uh, telling the story of our parents and stuff, which is absolutely true. And I think there's probably a good, not secret in that thing, where like if Cold War was tapping into the same thing where kids get to be, to analyze their parents' lives, there's something powerful in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he, gave, he gives this really good um, discussion about how um, it was, there's this fascinating thing about American gays and Korean gays and how it would impact a film like this and how this film... Uh, interacted with that right and the director was also saying that well they were both telling stories about how they did film this in the country and i think it was in arkansas 
Arkansas <laughs> and how it was funny because the director could relate to the, the cast member because they were worried that they would create this thing where they're Korean actors and a lot of the cast or the crew are white Americans. But then he could relate to all of the crew because he had memories of growing up in the country and these people had the same memories. And yeah, that's so it. funny. Yeah. So I wonder if that sort of thing was super powerful because like this film apparently had had a little bit of criticism for being a foreign language, winning the foreign language. Well, the film, I, I was going to talk about this. The film, it's not the fault the film's fault it won that award. It's the fact that this film was an American film and an American production, mm. but one best foreign language film. Which probably is a flaw. It's a bit of a whack choice. Yeah. It's surprising. It's Because I didn't watch it thinking it was a Korean film. No, because the kids are speaking American from the get-go. Yeah, and everything about it. Is American. American sentiment, yeah, and yeah. Anyway, I think that I'm sure that that had a meaningful, Im- not the foreign language award that they were Biden to win, but it had a significant impact on production that they were just making a film that was bigger than race. You know, pretty pretty wholesome stuff. What do you think? Just quickly, what do you think we've weighed in on the discussions about Minari right now? Because I was thinking about this as well, we came to this pod. It's funny, there's not, I don't feel like there's tons to say about it. It's, it's a sort of film where you're talking about how you relate to it and what yeah. it makes you feel. Because the, char- the, 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 the themes aren't particularly subtle or like, and not in a way that they're, you know, obvious, too obvious. It's just that they're common themes, that they're, they're human themes. They're, so, I don't know. Yeah, how do, what do we learn from this film specifically? I don't know. It's like a comfort film in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I think we learn that performance is obviously huge. But this is about film rather than about yeah, I'm trying people, to, you know? I'm trying to make this a little bigger than that. You know what I mean? I'm trying to go like, what can we extrapolate from... Yeah, but you're know. saying what can we extrapolate as filmmakers. Yes. I but not about so. what we can extrapolate as... I'm trying to justify what makes this film so special because, I don't know, I can't help but feel like it's pretty impacting and pretty unique. Okay, as filmmakers, I would just say score is banging. I would say that it's about... Wait, well, what? Just quickly, what works about the score? I like piano scores. I think they're really great. And this is an entirely piano score, but a significant amount of it is. Um, and I just like the choice of kind of like synth sounds and stuff in the, in, in the score. They're it's ones... like strings, choir, piano, and synths. Yeah. And there are just some sounds in it that aren't ones that you would expect to hear in a score i think you know and i think i compared it at dinner kind of to the uncut gem soundtrack where it's like it sounds like an artist making the soundtrack to a film as opposed to just like someone making a soundtrack to yeah, a film does that make sense so it's like an artist making yeah. the music that they make and then applying that to a film yeah, setting yeah. that's what i like about it yeah i think it's i also like the idea of making songs that are tense mm-hmm. like there's these, this element to the soundtrack that's um, relaxing, but then they'll hit you with these off chords and stuff. And yeah. it, it, I think it conveys the themes really well that it's like, you know, you're a moment's step away from things going wrong, but also on the flip side, like stuff could go right as well. Yeah. But the thing is, if you're doing a movie score, there's an inevitably going to be tension in the film. But so normally you, it's like tracks broken up, you know? Right, yeah. You know, like, because listening to the Shape of Water soundtrack, there's some beautiful, great stuff on there. But it's like, dun, 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 dun. Or it's going, dun, 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 dun. Well, that's a point. That's a good point. I think when you, there's a moment of tension, maybe a lot of composers 
go straight for effect rather than actually put in as much effort into the construction of the dramatic music. Does that make sense? Where if you're writing the theme or the opening theme or something, you're going to go, okay, I'm going to make a theme that sounds distinct and yeah. will remind you of this film. Yeah. And then a dramatic scene arises and you're going, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's yeah, different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think, yeah, when a filmmaker maybe doesn't do that and keeps in line with the theme, that's probably important, right? Yeah, like yeah. You, you apply that across the whole soundtrack. Yes, actually focusing on the vibe rather than making your artist's rendition of a scene is good. Yeah, otherwise, memorable things that they nail. Stephen Young's hat was given to him at 17 by his mother, the red hat he wears. Oh, no way. Yeah. I think that you could read that. If you're reading this as the film that's like the film American needs right now, and yeah. you've got a, a Korean like immigrant wearing the red hat, yeah. that's like, yeah, fuck Trumpism. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, one thing that we should touch on before we wrap up. Um, Paul. How have we not talked about Paul? What do you think about him? What do I think about him? I love that he has... I love that these characters get along. I think that's a re- that is if you're talking about a film that we need right now, it's because Paul is yeah. a nice character and a nice person. But it's not even it's just the it's both of them, you know what I mean? And it's like common understanding and common goals, which to not sound like a you know 60-year-old woman or something like that. It does feel like we are missing a bit of that now where we can relate to that side of people, you know? Because obviously Paul is a bit of a religious nut job or whatever. Well, because we also get to a point in the discourse where we're trying to talk about what's going on with the world. How come everyone's trying to get one up over each other? Mm-hmm. And so this film is doing that in a different way because a way that you might do that is have him take away, compete for something. Um, but by having them get along, it's a more passive way of saying, you know, that you can actually just get along with people. It's not going, how messed up that one guy's screwing over another. Do you know what I'm saying? They're both saying the same thing, but in completely different ways. You can have people, just because they're, they're very different as individuals, obviously driven by similar ethics at a core level, um, even by the fact that he talks about religion and God and then um, Paul can't relate. Oh, sorry, Jacob, Jacob can't relate yeah. and is actively disagreeing with him. But then when it comes down to business, they can get along because they're both holding up their end of the bargain, you know? Yeah. They're both being good to each other in the ways that they need. Um, and so then the two ways you approach that discourse is have like, we need people to get along because can't believe this person screwed over this other person. Or you can go, hey, look, people can just get along and it's pretty great when it works. Yeah. I mean, a big part of it, I think, is the fact that our nets could be not cast as wide as they can now, you know. Like these people who can't run into each other by living in a small town together sort of thing, you know. Coexistence is different now, I guess. He, he's very well played at the very least. Um, but I like his beats. And I think- yeah, and it's funny because the stuff in this film like Paul and like the peace stuff, which is obviously just funny and meant to be funny, even it does serve other purposes. But it's the sort of stuff like where you go, yeah, I would, could recommend this to mum and I know that there would be those parts that she would find funny. And she'll probably come out of the film and be like, oh, how funny was it when you peed in the bowl? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Big win for family values. <laughs> well, yeah. But bit, of, bit of good old-fashioned Reagan Reaganism. Family values. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And that's funny. It's set across the, uh, against that backdrop, I guess, uh-huh. of family values. Lovely. Right. That is definitely the timer. Definitely? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We oh, are yeah. 
A big value of the pod is to be on time nowadays. Yeah. So I don't have forever. It's a family value. Um, so, Big Tombo, what would you what worked for you with this film? What worked? Um, the performances. Everyone's really great. How do I describe that more specifically? I don't know. I think I think also relating to that is giving everyone a moment to shine as an individual is huge. Um, letting their their perspective shine and not actually undermining any family member, except for maybe the the daughter. But, but by giving them a chance to have actualized goals and stuff is a big win for the film. Um, the grandma's huge win for the film and completely works for the film. That she's so unique and so charismatic and yeah, that dynamic with David is unreal. What else works? Nature always works. Looks beautiful every time. Soft lighting, gotta love it. Well, it's, you know what's interesting is it's the first pod in a while where you haven't talked about cameras and, and, and shots for like a long time. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be kind of... It's more about the whole mood that the film constructs than the specific camera. Yeah. Um, well, it shows you that the lesson you're learning isn't just about something technical, right? Yeah. It's good. Big I could interrupt because what, what is... I need to ask, what do you think Minari means? Why is that the title of the film? Yeah, I thought about the significance of that plant. I think it's a little bit about a few things. I think it's about having faith, sort of, um, and it's like the unexpected positive consequences. They plant this manara and it just thrives. But it, it, And it certainly functions in the family where everything collapses, they still have their manari, right? Like all the fruit and vegetables are letting them down and this thing's putting in no... Um, requires no effort and it works. So... You can take that on a few levels. You can take that as the Korean culture and the Korean heritage kind of holding them together a little bit. You can also have it as like, regardless of what you're chipping away at, like history is building sort of, you know, it's like the family's strength is going to keep going through everything they're going through. And their history is the Minari because they put in no effort, but it's developed. Do you get what I'm saying? Sort of. They have to put all this water and all this effort and all this focus into the things at the forefront of their mind. But there are things that are at the back of your mind that are going to keep functioning and keep operating and developing. Otherwise, it's a little bit of like, you know, I think I might have said this, but things popping up where you least expect them. And just like, you can push for something so hard, but the thing that is going to work out is just what is going to work out anyway, sort of. Mm -hmm. Cool. Did you have anything to add to your white work? No, I'm good. That's fine. Soundtrack's great. Um, okay. What would you change? What would I change? Um, I maybe get a little more interesting on the opening. Um, I think maybe the car shots go a little too long, a little repetitive. I think we, we cut between a few angles and end up, end up at David in the back seat maybe three or four like, times. It feels like a like a um, entrance to like a video game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Naughty Dog Productions presents. Yeah, like you're on the way to the battlefield. battlefield. <laughs> they got the credits coming up and you're controlling David in the backseat looking out the window. Yeah, yeah. And you're really restricted by the camera event. <laughs> yeah. um, you're like, this is so immersive. <laughs> uh, what else would I change? I'm honestly not sure what I would change. All right. Let's do it then. What would you rate it? Yes. I'm um, excited. Um, I've thought a lot about this and I thought about what I had when I left the cinema and what I have now and I've thought about what other people are rating this as well because it's a film that is getting consensus fours from everything I see and my friends and stuff like that but 
you know, this film stuck with me a whole lot more than I expected. This is a film that I'm eager to revisit later in this week and into the future, I hope. I'm giving this, I'm giving Minari four and a half stars. Right, cool. Um, okay, so I don't really have much to add. I feel like I've been, we've been pretty good with and clear about what's working for us. Okay, so I'll just talk about my, what's going to end up at my rating, I guess. Um, I was definitely really into this film the whole time, but the thing that really brought it home for me was the ending. And there was maybe like five or 10 minutes before the kind of ending started where I was maybe like, oh, you know, I really like this, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily my, my film or whatever, you know. Mm. And then the ending happened and I was like on the edge of my seat, feeling all emotional and stuff. Mm. And it really changes how I thought about the rest of the film. And so I do want to see it again is the other thing as well. Mm-hmm. And also considering I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot as makes, as well, it makes me want to see mm. the film. Um, but I'm going to give it a uh, four stars. Mm-hmm. Anything you can articulate on what holds it back from? Um, I just think that maybe the first watch of it is a, it's a, you know, it's kind of a subtle film, I guess. So it, it doesn't, Beyond the ending, which kind of is the closest it comes to like blowing your mind, it's not blowing your mind throughout the whole film. So maybe with a viewer like me, I need something a bit earlier on to, to make me go like, you know, if you talk about something like maybe, you know, First Reformed or whatever, which mm. is one of my favorite things we watched in recent memory, which has now been a while ago, actually. But mm. early on, I was like, I love this film. This is ticking all my boxes sort of thing. But in this, I was kind of like in my seat along for the ride, but not yeah. willing to make that call yet. And then... Yeah. The end happens and I go, that was a you know, amazing ending to a film. I think especially when you get to these high ratings, it's like, it's really hard to articulate why something didn't completely, mm. completely, completely land. Yeah. And so like a film that also nails the ending would be like Portrait, you know, but in comparison to that Portrait, the whole film, I was like really sure that it was great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the ending was amazing on top of how great the film was so far, which really pushed it over the edge. Whereas this was like really solid the whole time and then the end was amazing. Yeah. Is all I would say. Okay. But I think that it's something that would, you know, just given our discussions on it and it feels kind of important and it's something that I could definitely see going up and getting more sentimental value, you know? Mm. I feel like it's carved a niche already. Yeah. Well, I think because you're making everyone in our family watch it as well, it'll be like, if it gets good reviews from the fam, then we'll, (laughs) it'll get this sort of like, wow, this is the family's new movie, you know? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Oh, all right. Um, what are we plugging? We are plugging family values. <laughs> <laughs> Good old-fashioned Reagan values. Uh, um, follow us on I'm Good Brother on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook, Ego Problem. Follow us on YouTube, Ego Our Podcast. Uh, follow us here. Subscribe to us on your podcast feed. Follow me on a bike ride if you want to go for a ride with me. Yeah. Shoot me a message. Follow my career. All right, this has been another classic. Another classic or a fresh one. If we knew what we wanted, you'd be useless. Tell us what's in, tell us who's done. Another antique ship.